There are two things that people should never, ever say to a victim of narcissistic abuse, and specifically to covert narcissistic abuse. They just don't want to hear it, and it should never be said. As a victim myself, I know how hard it is to find people who understand, to find people who get it, who, who get what you're saying, and, and people who don't look at you like you're crazy when you try to talk to them. I know how hard it is to find that support that you so desperately need. You need to feel heard. You need to feel validated in a way that people just don't seem to get. In this episode, I want to discuss two things that people should never say to these victims. Two things that you don't want to hear in your world right now as that victim and why these two things are so problematic. Here are these two things. One is, well, marriage does take effort. And the other is, you know, it takes two. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and I'm happy to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we continue, I want to briefly add something that just doesn't get said often enough. Covert narcissism exists in both males and females. Abusers come both as males and females. My abuser was my husband, so I speak from that perspective. So yes, I say he and I say him, but that does not mean that females are not abusers too. So please take what I'm saying and put it into your own perspective, your own situation and your own perspective. I have personally known mothers and wives who are absolutely covert narcissists. I've seen it firsthand and I know how devastating it is to the kids, to the husband, to the dad. So I, I get it. And please know that I absolutely understand that covert narcissists come both as male and female. Now let's dive into these two things that people should never say to a victim of covert narcissistic abuse. That first one, well, you know, marriage takes effort. When I hear someone say this, especially to an abuse victim, I want to react so badly. You know, it's not a reaction that's a, that's a good thing reaction. You know, they say, well, you know, marriage does take effort, and they're all serious, and they mean it, and I want to look at them and go, no, duh. Of course marriage takes effort. I, I absolutely know that. Why in the world are you telling me that? You know, but that might be a little mean to say. You know, I want to look at them and say, oh, so that's the problem. Wow. You know, why didn't I think of that sooner? But sarcasm would just be dripping from my chin. You know, another reaction I really want to have when somebody says, you know, well, marriage does take effort. I want to scream at them, someone please tell that to my husband. Because yes, marriage takes effort. I get that. I'm all too aware of that. But why am I the only one putting in that effort? Telling a victim of narcissistic abuse that marriage takes effort is a problem. You see, the victims of narcissistic abuse, they already believe that everything is their job and their responsibility. They believe that it is on their shoulders to fix this. They are already very committed to this and working overtime to find the right thing to say, the right, uh, the right perspective, the right words to use, the right this, the right that. They already feel like they're not sacrificing enough or being sensitive enough or being patient enough and, or being perfect enough. 
And if that victim, if they value your opinion, let's say you're a trusted friend or a trusted confidant, then what you're actually doing is pushing them right back into that work mode yet again. They trust you and they're going to think in their mind, you know, they're right. I need to try a little harder. This is on me and I can do anything and I can fix anything. I have to be more perfect so that he never gets mad. I have to find the right way to say everything so he cannot possibly misinterpret it. Or I have to anticipate every problem before it arises so I can keep peace in my world. Well, this is crazy. Because not only does the victim pour all this effort into it, they're pouring effort into an impossible job. But they don't see it that way. You know, they don't see that this has never worked before. That they can find the perfect way to be and that their husband or their wife is still going to be angry. That they can do everything absolutely just right and everything still blow up in their face. You see, they have failed every time before. But instead of recognizing that it's an impossible job, they just go, well, I just haven't found the right answer yet. I haven't found the way to be perfect enough yet. Let me tell you something. You are never going to be good enough. It is not possible to keep a covert narcissist happy. So please do not help that victim to see yet again that they need to put in more effort, that they need to put in more work because they will do that. But instead help them to see that they are, they are taking on an un you know, an impossible task, a task that they cannot accomplish. A lot of covert narcissist victims, they're adamantly convinced that if they just put in a little more effort, then everything would be okay. This can keep them stuck in a, that hopeless situation for years or even decades. That statement that marriage takes work is absolutely true. Marriage does take work. But there is a huge difference between the normal effort that marriage takes and a toxic relationship. Let's explore that difference a little bit. You know, marriage should take effort. Yes, there's, there are conversations that are going to be difficult. These are conversations such as, you know, how many kids should we have? That's a tough one because both sides can be pretty opinionated and, and feel strongly about this. And, and it's something that's it's personal. That's, that's a tough decision to make. Another tough decision is, is where to live, you know, whether to move or not. That's a tough decision that a family, a, a couple has to make. You know, there are big financial decisions that have to be made, you know, whether to take this job or that job and, and the financial decision, the financial impact that will have, or the, the amount of stress it will create in your life. You know, if I take this position of, of being, you know, a, a fireman, maybe that's going to add a lot of, of, of unique hours, like strange hours that I'm working and it can cause a lot of stress on the household. And so those are tough decisions. Those are decisions that should require effort. But there are a lot of conversations and decisions that should not require effort. You know, the question of, hey, what do you want for dinner tonight? That should not take work. Or will you take out the trash for me? Or will you move the car? You know, these were explosive conversations that happened in my marriage. They should not require effort. 
The question of, hey, can you buy this kind of meat next time? That shouldn't take effort. The question of, do you know where the scissors are? Or, hey, will you pick up the kids tonight? These should not be tough conversations. And while some conversations should be hard, they should not all be hard. You should not dread asking your partner what they want for dinner tonight. That should not cause a pit to form in the bottom of your stomach. You should not be nervous or afraid to ask them if, you, if they would take the trash out. Again, these should not be difficult interactions. Now, I do want to take a minute and step back and say something here. Yes, stupid things do happen every now and then. People who are normally very calm and cooperative in a relationship do all of a sudden overreact over something stupid. And, it, and it's going to happen every now and then. You know, you normally have a pretty cooperative relationship and everything seems pretty good. And you just have that one night where you go, hey, would you pick the kids up from on your way home tonight? And that person just seems to blow up at you. Yes, everybody's going to do that every now and then. Everybody has a bad day or everybody has that moment where they're not feeling well or, or someone at work just jumped down their throat and so they, they react in a way to you that is not characteristic. This does not immediately mean that that person is a narcissist. No, absolutely not. It can mean that they just had a bad day. It can actually mean that they just have a headache and aren't feeling well and you're just not aware of that yet. You know, it might just mean that today, just this one day, they're just tired of everyone's crap, but it, but it blows up at you. So, you know, I made so many excuses for my husband over all the years. I used to just say, well, he's just having a bad day, but I was saying it day after day after day. He can't have a bad day every day. Like this, this means something's going on here. If I'm over and over and over saying, oh, he's just having a bad day or he's just not feeling well today. Maybe at some point I need to consider that this person is just a mean person. That is different than the normal, healthy, cooperative relationship you have that has that occasional bad moment. With a non-toxic person, that reaction is rare, and they even then put in a lot of effort to making things right. Your heart will know that difference. You know, think about it for a minute. When you're in that, that healthy relationship, maybe it's a friend, a coworker, you know, might, might not be a, a partner or a spouse, but that person, you know, if they have that one day when they kind of blow up a little bit and they overreact and you might even think to yourself, wow, that's really not like them. And, and they many times will then come back and go, Hey, that was really stupid on my part. I'm sorry. And those words right there are a huge difference than what you get when you're with a covert narcissistic person. That person's going to come back and continue to say why everything was your fault. Just saying. Now, if your thought about that person is, wow, that's really not like them, that's also a pretty good sign that you're not dealing with a narcissistic person. I want you to think for a minute about your narcissistic person that's in your life, that covert narcissist that is in your life, and, and you see them overreacting to something, what thought is going through your mind? In your mind, are you thinking, wow, that's really not like them? Probably not. You're probably thinking more along the lines of, well, here we go again. Because that's a more normal reaction to somebody who, you know, when you have a covert narcissist or an abusive person in your life. So what would it take for you to have that thought, wow, that's really not like them? about this abusive person in your life, what would it take for you to actually think that way? Would it take them having a compassionate moment? 
for them having a, a moment of selflessness where they really genuinely seem to care about somebody else's feelings, if that's the sign or that's the thing that makes you say, wow, that's really not like them, this is not a good thing. You might need to take a step back for a minute and go, wow, if that's really what I think is when they're doing something good that I'm thinking it's not, that's not characteristic of them, that may not be a healthy relationship. Take another step back and th just look for a moment at yourself. What would it take for someone to say that about you? For someone to look at you, someone who knows you, someone who's close to you to look at you and go, hey, that's really not like you. Would it be you overreacting to something and, and kind of blowing up over something stupid? If so, that's, you know, that everybody does that occasionally. Would it be you being compassionate and, and good in life? That, that would be bad if that's the reaction that they have. One reaction that, that a lot of times will cause, one thing that will a lot of times cause that reaction is when somebody says, hey, I took a moment for myself. I drew a boundary here and I decided I'm, I'm going to take time for me today. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go enjoy my day and, and drop these responsibilities in my life. If that is something that causes them to go, wow, that's not really like you, then you probably need to do it more often. Victims of covert narcissism, they're completely exhausted inside, and yet they will continue to pour all this effort into the relationship, but they have no effort left to give. If you haven't listened to my episode, The Bone Dry Exhaustion of Life with a Covert Narcissist, go check it out. That's a good one to hear when you are in that relationship. And, and when someone says to you, it takes effort, marriage takes effort, and you have no effort left to give, this can create an overwhelming sense of despair and anguish. You've got nothing left inside you. And so you can end up experiencing dangerous levels of hopelessness and helplessness. So please, if you know someone who is going through a, a marriage or a relationship with a covert narcissist, do not tell them that marriage takes effort. They are already quite aware of this. And in fact, they know it better than most people. Instead, encourage them to take some time for themselves. Encourage them to recognize that that effort is not being matched by their partner and that they need to let go of some of that effort. They need to quit carrying all of that responsibility and give themselves some permission to rest. Your support might be just what they need to do this. It might be just enough to allow them to give themselves that permission. That permission that they need so badly. So please be aware of this. Now the other thing that people say to a victim of covert narcissism that they absolutely should not say is, well, it takes two. You hear the phrase, it takes two to tango, or there's two sides to every story. All of this is saying the same thing. You know, it takes two to fight. Well, there, there is some truth to this. It takes two to fight. You know, if I'm verbally assaulted by a total stranger in a grocery store, it takes two to, to stay there and fight. I could simply turn and walk away. I do have a choice. I can stay and argue, contributing to the problem, or I can walk away. I can leave. You know, I have nothing to prove to this person, and I have no reason to defend myself to them. This is a person that I am never, ever going to see ever again and who is not going to have any influence in my life, so I can walk away. Well, in a marriage, this is not true. You can't simply just walk away and never see them again. 
You're married to this person. You have children with this person. You have a life with this person. You have common friends. You have common family. You have to function with this person, live with them, interact with them, make life decisions with them. So simply walking away doesn't work. I mean, yeah, you can walk away from a single conversation. If you have a conversation that has turned really bad, I encourage you to learn the skill of walking away. Yes, I can absolutely turn and walk away. But just because I've walked away from that conversation does not solve this problem. It does not, you know, I can't just walk away and go, oh, I never have to deal with them again. Wow. Okay, I can't do that. Because at some point, I'm still going to have to come back to them. At some point, I'm still going to have to interact with them. And they're probably going to bring it up again. They're going to throw it back in my face again. Or if we just ignore it, it's going to cycle back around. And it's going to happen again and again. So just walking away doesn't necessarily work. The other issue here is, you know, with a total stranger, I have no reason to defend myself to that stranger. And that's fine. But your partner... You do have reasons to defend yourself to that abusive partner. You know, one reason is because you value this person's opinion of you. This is your life partner. You should value their opinion of you. You have good reason to value that opinion. And, and so you do value it. So yes, you have reasons to defend yourself. You know, you're going to live in the same house with them, the same bedroom as them. You're going to interact with them on a daily basis. And if you are interacting on a daily basis with someone who sees bad in you all the time, this is stressful. It's painful. Another reason you have to defend yourself is because they are going to interact with people in your life that you care about. Your friends, your family, maybe your coworkers, definitely your children. They are going to influence these people in your life and their opinion of you. And you have no idea what they're going to say about you. So yes, you have reasons to defend yourself. To this abusive person. Now, while it does take two to make a healthy marriage, I'm going to tell you something. It only takes one to destroy it. Listen to that again. It takes two to make a healthy relationship, but it only takes one to destroy it. One side can be trying all day long to keep peace, to compromise, to find middle ground, to keep things lighthearted and easy, to cooperate. But if the other side simply refuses all of this, there is nothing that person can do. That is that hopeless job. That is that impossible job. And, and I could be the one doing all the work. I'm working around his feelings, trying to keep him happy, trying to keep peace. And I'm doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G all the way through the entire alphabet. And they won't even do A. Well, then I'm in that impossible job. It only takes one to destroy a marriage. You know, at one point I had a conversation with my husband and I was trying to talk to him about all of this of just, you know, I always felt like his words were beating me down. His words were so judgmental and so sharp. He was so sharp tongued. And I, and I would try to talk to him about all of this and he, and we just, we, we failed at communicating and, and I would tell him, you know, I, I try to find all these different ways to say things to you, trying to work, you know, through where we can have peaceful interactions and peaceful communication. And, and I said, I don't understand why I put in all this effort into this and you're not putting the effort back in. You're not meeting me in the middle on this. And he said, what are you talking about? He said, I've been working so hard at this too. 
And it really hurts that you don't even see my efforts. And I thought, wow, okay, well, if I'm not seeing them, then that's on me. So, okay, I said, what are you doing that I'm missing? Tell me then so that I can, that I can understand too. What am I missing that you're doing? And his answer to me well, was, well, I've been doing the laundry more. And I thought, what? You think this is about the laundry? And in my mind, I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. And I said, I said, okay. I said, is there any other effort? He goes, well, I've, I've been doing the, putting the dishes away more. Wow. I couldn't care less about the laundry and the dishes. That's not what this was about. And he absolutely refused to see that it had nothing to do with any of that. This was about the communication breakdown between us. So yes, marriage takes two. There's no doubt that is true. But it only takes one to completely destroy it. Victims of covert narcissistic abuse feel completely isolated and alone. They do not have a teammate. They do not have two working towards a good, healthy marriage. They work alone. And not only are they doing all the work of both sides, they are doing it while having one side who's actually working against every effort they put in. If you are in the position of offering support to someone who is struggling in a narcissistic relationship, please know that this person feels utterly exhausted, completely overwhelmed, and completely alone. They have been working in overdrive and making absolutely no progress. Also, if you are that person that's in that situation, you need to quit listening to these people who are saying marriage takes effort or marriage takes two. Don't listen to them. These are not the people you need to go to for support. Instead, find those people who understand that you are pouring all this effort into this and that you don't get any effort back in return and that you need to take a break from all that effort. You don't need to pour more effort in. You need to do the opposite. You need to take some of that effort out and put that effort onto yourself so that you can get in a healthier place and be able to make healthier decisions for you and for your children. So please, if you are that person, take a step back and breathe for a while. I hope this helps and I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.